Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 160. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with business owners all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieved this through my coaching and online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success and to identify the common strategies and techniques as well as the mindsets they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life. But in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to achieve your goals. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So this week we have got a great guest, Chris Prefontaine. And Chris Pre is a three times best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing and Monica Sawyer's Real Estate Investing for Women. He's also the founder and CEO of SmartRealEstateCoach.com and the host of Smart Real Estate Coach podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Jeff. So it's lovely to have you on. And before we dive into your topic today, um, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what brought you to this point today? Sure. I'll, I'll give you the 10,000 foot view, but because it's it's been 31 years and I'm going to date myself, just bring me back to any piece of that you want more detail on. But I, um, I, I grew up in a family company. It had nothing to do with real estate. It just happened to be that my dad would dabble in real estate. So I was around it. And then in 91, I started building some homes with a partner and never built a home or picked up a hammer before, but we, I ran the interior, he ran the field. Um, I bought a realty executives franchise as a broker. So sort of put my real estate broker hat on in 95, sold that ultimately to Coldwell Banker in 2000, and then began my own investments and my coaching around mostly North America uh, with some outskirts. And then the lovely 2008 crash came uh, for real estate. And that really did a number on us. So for about four years, I not only worked out of the complete garbage that hit us, but I also established some new rules, so to speak, or some new protocol on, on if I was to go back into real estate, what that might look like to go ahead and not ever do that again. And so we did that. And fast forward, we've got a, a thriving local business here that my son and son-in-law operate with me that buys and sells real estate without using banks and without signing personally. So I never experienced that oh, wait, garbage again. And then we also have expanded to coach uh, literally in the trenches, locking arms with students uh, all over North America primarily. And, and as we said before the show, a little bit of outskirts in Australia and UK. And uh, we do that by getting in the trenches and doing deals with them. So they learn firsthand. Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, so there's a couple of interesting things. First of all, how did you find working for a family business? Because I, I used to do that. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, everyone wants to know that. And then, of course, that's what we do now. We have my, my son and son-in-law. I say kids, the 31 and 32, and I still call them kids. Um, well, I mean, I had a great experience with my father. It was me and my father. My brothers came in and out, but but 
I had a great experience. He always motivated me and led me and I was young at the time. So that was super important. And then um, I, it was interesting. He sold the company in 1991 and I said, okay, I'll stay on. And I lasted about three weeks, Jeff, before they fired me. So my only experience with corporate was they fired me. And then I went off into real estate. Uh, my grand, my granddad fired me. Well, there you go. So, you, so we had similar paths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Best, best lesson, but not at the time, sort of thing. <laughs> so, so I, I was, I was, um, I was an estate agent for about, I think it was about six months. My sister's an estate agent; uh, she owns an estate agent company. So, I remember doing it, and 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 I know the challenges that are, are faced in that. For you, <clears throat> I think for me, one of the things is how did, how did you mentally prepare to pull yourself out of? that recession in 2008. Yeah, that's a biggie. Um, okay, so I, I talked about this at one of our virtual events recently, Jeff, because that that question literally is what was in my way. I was in my way and I was in my way because I got beat up and then my confidence got deflated. And I just think this is reality for so many people. And it, when I say I dug out, it took me from February of eight till February of 12, not just to dig out, but to get out of my way mentally. And then I thought through a bunch of things. One of them was, hey, the only two times in 31 years I've had challenging times, trouble, is when I didn't have a mentor. And it didn't dawn on me until like a few years ago. And I said, man, that's scary. I didn't have a mentor or someone to go to, even a, even a trusted like advisor or friend. I didn't have someone that I could say, what the heck do I do now? And so when I started realizing that, I realized, okay, maybe it's not 100% me. Let me seek out some people and dig myself out of this. And then again, scary, realized it was all in my head. I mean, it was a national thing, if not an international thing. So it wasn't just me and, and let's get on with it. But that unfortunately killed four years in that mental struggle process. But that's kind of how we strengthen, right? But yeah, adversity gives us the best lessons to strengthen ourselves, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because success is a real shitty teacher. It just is. And so that that's a necessary path, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I might use that as the title. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think with what we're going through now, we're going to see a similar thing or or in a but in a greater scale and does it require the same sort of attitude well okay so another common question that people want to say what's going to happen chris if you and i if i knew that answer i would invite you to my yacht in the in the island somewhere and we would never work but since i don't um i think this is dramatically different because it's not like this is worldwide, as you and I talk about. So this is not like just a real estate thing. And then on top of that, real estate is very active all, all over the world right now. And there's pockets of exceptions, of course, but it's very, so it's just so different. And and I'll give you an example of how we just don't know. Last year, uh, I was being coached by Tony Robbins' son, Jarek. And he said to me just nonchalantly in a conversation, he said, yeah, my dad, Tony was with, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Ray Dalio. And they were saying how even the billionaires don't know what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm, and we just chuckled, but he said it so nonchalant, like nobody knows. And if they say they know, they're just guessing. So I, I don't know. I just know this. Uh, our niche, because of what I told you earlier, was built to literally weather any storm. And I didn't know COVID was going to happen, but when it did, we three times that business. So 
I, I'm comfortable with with it crashing tomorrow. I, I hate to say that, but I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it going flat. I'm comfortable with it continuing to rise. And that's why we built painfully built what we built. So I, I, I'm excited either way to go forward. Yeah, it's an, it's, 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 it is. It's an interesting one because, like you say, is no one no one's ever that I'm aware of has ever lived through a pandemic and and trying to go through what we're all going through. You you mentioned when, before when you were talking about buying buying property um on terms or uh, or without m- money if I remember correct. What does that actually mean? Okay, so in, in, in before the show, you would ask me about different geographic areas. This this type of real estate, and I can relate it to other things in life, has been transacted since late 1800s. This is not new. We just got a system wrapped around it and tra- trademarked what we call the three paydays to get paid three times on a deal. So what it means is we're buying properties on lease purchase or owner financing. Again, both of those having been done for decades. So can you buy, for example, Jeff, a car, a boat, a plane, or a house on terms? Absolutely. And it's done all the time. So so this is not new. You can be done anywhere in the world. Wow. Okay. And for you, when do you, do you feel that this is something that someone can, I don't like the word side hustle. I hate that terminology, but is this something that people can do as well as their full-time job or is it, do do they, do you, do you feel that they have to put all of their attention into doing this when they're actually um, looking at, you know, using properties and investing in property? Yeah, no, the former, they can, they can and should do this if they love their job, uh, uh, you know, as a supplement to, to what they're already earning. Most of our students come into our programs with a job in place with maybe two or three exceptions over the years of people who say, look, I, I'm, I've got this money or I'm, you know, I've got, I'm fortunate enough. I want to kind of learn your stuff, but they're either part-time coming from corporate and they, they want to eventually say they want to eventually get a plan with my help to be predictably out of their job by X date. We help them do that. Or they're in some niche of real estate already. So, so sort of full-time real estate already. And I'm going to tack this on to what they're already doing. Um, so I, I just can't imagine Jeff, and, and this does not to slight anyone that has a really good job that they love, but I can't imagine for the life of me, why, once you get the taste of what, how profitable the three paydays are, why you'd even want a job. And that's why people get into what we're doing. They do just a few deals a year and they go, well, wait a minute, I just replaced my income. What, what am I doing? So that's why it just kind of naturally organically flows to, Hey, show me how to go full time. And, and, you know, like the, the, you know, I'm sure that there's people listening to this going, Oh, okay. This sounds really good. <laughs> like that idea. Where, where do they start? I mean, where, I mean, where do you actually I mean, obviously, does it does it take does it take courage to go? Okay, I'm going to do this if they've never done it before. Is 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 there some simple steps that they can start looking at in order to, you know, instigate this this way of thinking into doing this? Um, okay, so I'd start very generic with this answer because this could go a few different ways, and I'm happy to to peel it back. You let me know, but here's my starting answer. My starting answer is. Um, knowing that you have a diverse audience, as we all do, I would say, I don't care if you're going to look and open a restaurant or you want to go into a particular niche in real estate, doesn't, doesn't matter what business, take these three steps. One, get find a niche or an industry, then a niche that you can get behind. Like you go, okay, I, I can get passionate about this. I can get passionate about helping people or whatever it might be. Second, 
to my uh, misfortune of not doing this in the past, when I went through that trouble, find someone or a group or an organization that has been where you want to be. That, like, this is not brain science. People all over the world have done this for decades too. They find someone who has created what they want to create and they go model. So find someone, I mean, morally, ethically too, like find someone you can really relate to and that is still doing what you want to do, not a past, not a, not a has-been or a past tense. And then third step, this is the biggie, because there's so much late night advertising and, and marketing garbage out there, put your blinders on for 36 months. Don't get distracted by the shiny object and you will have a great experience if you can do that for 36 months because it doesn't take that long in my niche to do a deal. But by then, and if I know you're committed, you won't stop at the least bit of roadblock versus you and I saying, all right, we're going to open this business. And hey, thanks for this group of investors that trust us. Oh, by the way, we're just going to try this for six months. Like who would want you to, that's not, so this is a, this is not a try it. This is go look at us for free every way you can. And once you figure out if I'm a fit or we're a fit, then commit to those three steps. Yeah. And, and I think that the big one is, is, you know, the, the coaching and support or mentoring is, is huge in, um, did you always feel that you were going to go into this coaching routine or did it, did it kind of like fall into place when you were starting to look at things and, and develop your, your, your business and your book and all of that sort of stuff? I didn't know with this particular niche post uh, real estate crash that I was going to, but I can tell you that ever since I was, let's say it probably started in freshman year in college. I'm going back to like, whatever that is, 85, 1985, I'm dating myself again. But at that point I was in a network marketing company, realized I love developing groups and leading people. Okay. That led to then real estate, of course, as we talked about earlier. And every time I went to coach, like after 2000 coaching about 40 people, I understood that was like a natural high. Number one and number two, it honed my own skills. Like you can't, until you coach, maybe it's not relatable to people, but when you coach or mentor, and it's different than consulting. Coaches like, I'm rolling my sleeves up. Uh, you have to be sharp. So you, you're always sharpening your own saw as you go. And I, I love that piece of it. So it's always, um, it's always full on. No, I didn't know I was gonna do it in the real estate world after the crash. I just started getting asked by many people who saw what we built. They saw we trademarked at three paydays and they said, man, teach me that. And then it just grew to now pretty significant. And did and and have your kids kind of like learned from you, or have they always had that sort of that coaching sort of mentoring type attitude as well, or is that something that they've just seen the joy that you've had, and then well, I'll do that as well. Um. Well, my daughter, Kayla, and my son, Nick, obviously grew up around real estate, right? And they also grew up when I was speaking in the in the direct sales world. So they saw that, And but I didn't have this grand plan. I wish I could tell you it was all planned. I didn't have this grand plan for the kids to come in the business. And then my son-in-law, Zach, it just happened that around 2014, my son said, hey, I can kind of help you on the buyer side. And then 2015, Kayla and Zach said, hey, we're, we're, they're bartenders here. We're in a resort area. They were rather. And 15, they said, hey, is there any positions? And I said, well, not really, but no salary. If you want to come on board, we'll see how it works and we'll do deals and we'll get paid as, we, as we're profitable. They said yes. And then organically, each one of them started to fit in their role. Nick was the buyer specialist. Zach loved coaching and doing the sellers. Kayla loved running the, the, the office. So it just organically happened. And it was, it was a beautiful thing to see, obviously. So no, it wasn't planned or, or, or premeditated. It was just grown into. 
Wow. And for, for you, what do you feel um, is the challenge of, you know, you've worked for a family business and you've, you've come out of that and you're moving in. What for you is the, is the sort of, I don't know, if we, if we use um, a, um, the sort of secret sauce that you feel that is able to keep that bond and work with your family Without, I mean, that you know, like the the biggest challenge I always found is working with my my um, my family was meetings came everywhere. You know, you were sitting at Christmas dinner, and all of a sudden there'd be a conversation about something. How does how do you manage that? Okay, two two things that stick out that we we've been practicing, agreed to practice, and still do. And that is, first of all, uh, around 2017, the end of 17, I linked up with an organization called Elite Entrepreneurs, and they taught me scaling, culture, values, etc. But in doing that, we developed a mission statement and we developed values. Developing the values, it became, it wasn't, hey, Chris developed the values and you guys got to live by this. It was, let's do this exercise together. Let's come up with the values that we know are going to work and we all agree to that would serve our customers, our clients. They agreed to it. So all that to say, to answer your question, okay, so now a decision comes across the pike, across the table. It's not your family, so this is where we're going and as some o- the other team members feel slighted. It is, here are the five core values. Does this decision, does this client, does this move we're gonna make fit the values? If it doesn't, we don't do it. It's nothing to do with personality. So that's, that's number one. As far as separating, that piece is the tougher one. Here's what we do. There was a time, Jeff, where I think it was like right around then, 15, 16, where we all lived, we could see each other's house. We were within a block of each other. And our office was another block away. Now we've since moved into a building we own, but we would walk, I would walk home. My son will be driving his car into the driveway. We lived next to each other. My daughter lived across the street and I would yell or he would yell, Hey, how was your day? Like we never saw each other and we kept it fun. So at the end of the day, it was all about work's done. How was your day? We'd laugh. We'd go in our house. If it's something positive, a win, we talk about it off hours. If it's not, it doesn't come up. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, I, ironically, all of my family live within a mile of my house. I still live in the postcode I was born in, um, and it's like I, I'm like I'm sure there's some sort of weird twilight zone where every time I want to leave, I end up coming back. Um, well, I I also believe in energy and a lot of things you just said that we you and I have similar uh, uh, backgrounds in some shape, form, or fashion, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And for you, where do you, where do you see smart real estate coach going in the future? What, what does that hold for you? Yeah. Two tiers. We have a mission. Part of our mission that I just said we developed was a five-year mission that ends at the end of 2022. And that is to help our associates. These are people in the trenches, you know, students um, complete 500 transactions uh, we're on target. We've got all this year and all of next year still to go, and it's pretty hefty load to tow. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna hit it, and that's our mission. And then we'll rewrite a mission. That's called the Kingdom Tower mission. That's what we phrased it. Um, so we're gonna rewrite the mission probably for a three-year mission at that point. But it'll all be about more transactions with the associates. And then as I meet great entrepreneurs and great hosts on podcasts like yourself, we bring in different uh, dream team members and we, we scale together. And it's just a lot of fun. I don't see that changing. Um, as long as I'm not bored, I get bored easy, but real estate is always changing. So as long as it stays intriguing like that, I love seeing the kids take on more. We'll keep going. 
one of the things that I'm, I'm I'm always intrigued in in the US do generally people rent or buy properties well both so it just depends on the trend so you got a you got a situ- situation right now where because of covid yes interest rates are extremely low so everybody goes well it'll be a great time to buy yeah great but the banks have now pushed their criteria pushed the bar up so high that people can't qualify and so that's driving a rental market but it's also driving people to come to us because that's who we work with and help so we, that's why we're so crazy busy yeah, it's it's because it's because it, it's different. There's different sort of cults. Like I've got friends in Europe, and they generally rent. They don't really think about buying. I know when I was growing up, it was like, no, no, you need to buy your home. You need to make sure. But like you say now, and maybe since two thousand and eight, has it has it is it has a percentage changed more to go? Okay, we'll rent since two thousand and eight, or is it just sort of, I don't know, the millennial way of looking at things and stuff. I don't know the answer technically, but my opinion is the latter of what you said. I think it's the millennials are um, not settled yet with some of the of what they want. And so the city living now just became a little bit weird with COVID. And so they're still bopping around. Look, I have nothing against it. I mean, I after the crash, uh, Jeff, I moved into that. This is probably worth telling this story. We had a, a two acre lot overlooking the ocean, which is really, really rare here. That's big. Uh, so we sold that. We had a sell, but we also didn't need the room. And we moved into to a one bedroom, my wife and I, a one bedroom apartment when I was hit financially and rebuilt uh, to then coming out of that complete opposite, building a house 90% cash. So it just, I'm all for renting if that's what step needs to happen. Uh, just everybody's a little different. Yeah, can we, what What was what was sort of going through your mind at that, at that point when you had to go, okay, I'm gonna move into a one bedroom, one bedroom place um what what sort of things because that's that's you know pardon my french that's a friggin big thing to to pull yourself out of and what was what were you sort of going through at that moment in time if i could paint if i could show you a picture where where i lived just prior to that you'd say what like yeah that's the big deal (laughs) i should change into a one bedroom so um, well, I, I thought maybe six months. I said to my, my wife, six months, let's just get reacclimated, kind of rebuild. And we stayed there six years. And after that, uh, it was the best thing we ever did because my head was clear. There was no overhead. And we were able to very streamlined focus, build a business that now I look back, oh, wow, it's the best thing we ever did. But you couldn't have told me that ego-wise in the middle of the upwards trend of pre-crash because I was all full of myself and said, oh, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's and it's that... It's that bit for for you to, as you said, is the work that you have to do on yourself in order to go, okay, that's what I'm doing. But as we talked about at the beginning, it's that adversity, the lessons that you learn from, but technically jumping, you know, almost like falling completely on your ass and, and trying to look at it and then battling and then building yourself up and then building your business up. And um, what did it feel like when you, did that 90% cash into your new home. 
Oh, it's night and day. Uh, it's just, my father used to say to me, he used to say, Chris, you can't make decisions when you feel like you have a steamroller behind you. But when I was in it, I kept saying, no, I can dig it out. No, I can dig out. No, I can dig out. And then once you're out of it, you realize, no, you are much better off doing that. You can make much better decisions. So I, I remember this book I read, um, I think it's uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. I don't know if there's a subtitle, but he he talks very strongly in there about all the um, challenges he had, Jeff. And he says, he doesn't, he doesn't only say what you and I said, like, okay, that's, that's good. He says, welcome that, like, look for that challenge so that you can say, oh, thank you. And then, and then tweak and move on. You're like, like, like be happy you're getting that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Cause it's, it's like most, as you talked about your ego, it's that it's overcoming the driver of what the ego says. Cause sometimes that can be really, really damaging to your progress. Oh, big time. I had, I had, you, I can't tell you for two years, how many people said to me, why don't you just sell your big house and get ready over it? And I said, of course not. And then when it was too late, I had to sell it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to the second part of the show where I get to ask you a set of questions uh, to find out what common threads flow through. That's like a tongue twister. Flow through um, previous guests and yourself. So first question is, on average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development? That can be body, mind, and spirit. Oh man, between my morning routine and then the bigger programs and in and uh, seminars and whatnot, um, never been asked this. I I would say a good twenty five or thirty percent of my time now at this stage. I'm I'm fifty four going in fifty five, and I've just spent I'm spending more time on this now for thought leadership and mind development. Yeah, and it's it's for you. Is it very much for your self development, or do you feel that it's a mixture for your self development also to become a better coach? Uh, super cool question because a, a mentor said to me, "It's the latter. It's me and to to I get excited about the fact that if I do this, if I read this book, or if I learn this concept, I now can up level all my clients, and that's how I treat it." So, a coach said to me. Oh gosh, back in 08, he said, Chris, you will never outgrow, your income, excuse me, will never outgrow you. So he said, you might have a pop of a deal. You might have a, a rise of an income. It will always come back to the level of you. So if you don't self-develop yourself and grow yourself, your income's never going to come behind it. Yeah, I like that. That's really cool. That's really cool. Okay, question number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional self-development book. Yeah, I mean, uh, this changes yearly, Jeff, and I get asked this a lot. It's because I'm different yearly, right? Mentally, so I remember in 1986 when I got married. So I'm going on 35 years being married. Magic of Thinking Big on my honeymoon. I'll never forget it. So I reread it like every year after that for several years. But then fast forward, books like Ray Dalio, Principles, and Under the Arches, the whole McDonald's stories. Those really impacted me because those are like in the trenches. This is reality but here's what you do. So I like that kind of book now. Okay, what was that one under the ashes? Uh, I think it's under the arches. It's the McDonald's story that they made the movie about. And it's, it's, it's all the struggles and all that. You read that and you say, how did he, how did he even get through that mentally? That's the, and then it's, it happens to be real estate driven. So I loved it. Yeah, I've got principles. Um, I kind of like keep reading and then drop in principles because it's a really like dense book. So it's, 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 um, but it's got some amazing, amazing content in it. And I think, as you say, is, is you develop right the way through. I remember being put on a train for a long delivery, like it was a courier and I had to deliver a parcel. And my uncle said, okay, you're going to sit down and you're going to listen to this. And it was the cassette players of um, Personal Power 2. 
and I, I was only 17 years old and it just completely changed the way I think about stuff. But then I got lost and then I came back to it when I went through my crucible stage and I started to read all of it again. It was amazing how much, how much you, how much you'd sometimes change without even identifying that you're changing until you stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Question number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your day um, or personal life? What app, what app, what app? Um, Slack comes to mind um, because when we instituted it for our community, it literally provided the glue that we weren't even seeing. So it just makes it efficient. I'm never on email. I'm on Slack with my community and it's been a, it really has been a godsend. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Well, so it was the 08 debacle and, and it was, and, and it was the, all the things that we talked about that we changed because of that. And, and it was the mentoring and it was the don't ever, ever sign and guarantee personal debt. Yeah. Yeah. So ju- just very quick, because it's interesting because in the UK coaching is not, it's coming to the point, but it's not necessarily seen as the, as the valuable resource I believe that coaching and mentoring can be. Um, but often when I, very at a very, well, while I was young and I would speak to people over in the States, coaching very, and, and obviously Tony Robbins was probably the, the lead of that really to make it huge. If you were talking to someone and they didn't, they were trying to understand what coaching was, how would you describe coaching and mentoring? Well, okay, so it's two things that come to mind. Uh, it's like having someone, I don't care, pick an industry that you're in, having someone uh, in your pocket or on your shoulder, whatever visual you want, that knows the exact path and has already done it and can just go, no, 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 left, oh, straight, okay, no, 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 back up a little bit. Picture that. So picture being like, okay, so if you know that person can be there for you, why the heck would you not do that? Like it's, it doesn't even make sense to me. I had a gentleman on my show, uh, David Nurse, who was a, one of the top NBA uh, um, personal coaches, these, these kids coming out making millions. And he said to me, yeah, this one guy, and he gave me his name on my show. He said, all I said to him was, let's go find someone that already is in this case, he was looking to teach him how to do um, three point shots. Let's go find that person that already mastered that. Like you don't have to recreate anything. So that's, that's the power of a coach is someone's going to roll up their sleeves and show you how to do it. Why, why live the lessons? They can tell you how to avoid them. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it, it's a shortcut, but not a shortcut because you're still going to do the work. But the benefit is, is like you say is, is you don't have to take three lefts if you have to just take one right, you know, so it's, it's doing that sort of thing. Okay. So question number five, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Yeah, that's a biggie for me. I had a, one of my coaches say recently to me, Chris, in the next four years, I want you to find something that no matter what you do, you can't make money at it because they know that my brain goes there. So so the, the challenge is literally tra- time blocking comes to mind, Jeff, like blocking, like today is an early day for me. So I'll, I'll be done at 445 instead of working. I could 100% easily if I was on my own, because I love what I do, just keep going. And so I've got a time block. Mm. It's a challenge of an entrepreneur, isn't it? It's it's that not being able to, loving what you do is is it's it's a double edged sword. Some some people can say to curse when you're trying to be with your family because you've got this thing that just says, but you're loving what you do and you're forgetting the you're not necessarily forgetting, but you just get lost in that flow of doing this thing that you love to do. 
Yeah, you know what Jarek Robbins taught me? He gave me like seven relationship things when he was coaching me one day. I I coached with him like last January to June, like a half a year in 20. He gave me a bunch, but one of the things he gave me that everybody could take away from this is uh, a concept he called turn towards. And that is, we are all, I mean, it's on the movies now, they make a joke out of it that the, 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 the guy goes into the boardroom and all his employees are on the phone or they go, someone goes to dinner and they're on their phone. So instead, when you're, kids especially it's damaging to them if you can't do this but spouse anyone significant other if they walk up to you and you're on your phone or you're on your computer stop even though it's a major hassle sometimes stop turn towards them and and literally give them the focus like if you start playing with that this week everyone who's listening you're gonna get a different response that because that i was i was bad at this i go i go oh, i'm busy right now i can't like i'm well you're disrespectful you're very disrespectful to the kids or the significant other if you do that yeah, I I I I I find it very hard to deal with that when I'm in a meeting with someone, and someone will like be talking to you while they're typing a text or something because it's like there's not you're not paying the focus towards the thing that's actually whether it's me or someone else. It's just it's that put all your attention in towards looking at the person and make eye contact. Don't look, don't look at the chest. Make out the, that's very good. Cool. I like that. And um, number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? What advice would I give an entrepreneur? I I would give him that three step formula because that fits for for anyone. And but then I would just remind them in that process that the only thing in their way is them. Literally, like think. What's scary is as big as you can think. If you then if you put those three steps in place that we said earlier in the show, you can do it. That that's that's what's scary. So why did my income in the '90s stay the same level for like three or four years in a row? It was all mental, hundred percent mental until I got out of my own way. Yeah, and it's interesting because I remember I remember speaking to um, Jack Canfield, and he told us a story about um, I think it was someone that he knew was trying to break. I think it was like a 30, 30 million a year turnover or something like that. And um, he, I think he actually spoke to Tony Robbins and he says, you know, whatever happens, I cannot get past this point. And he says, well, in your mastermind, how many people, you know, are, are above what you actually want to achieve? And they went, nothing. And he went, well, that's the problem. He says, I surround myself with billionaires because that's the, the level that you want to go with. So you've got to surround yourself with people who have, understood it have broken the barriers and are on the other side because then they're going to speak a, a different language to you to be able to hold you accountable to so it is quite interesting about the limitations that we have in our own head that stop us from actually achieving the goals no question and i and i used to say i used to react to that and say okay great well how do i get with them i can't afford them and etc cetera, etc cetera. so so i said to my group i was two weeks ago we did a virtual event and i had on some amazing people one of them was peter taunton from his yacht he 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 came over zoom and he was talking to us peter started with a failing gym and built that into the largest fitness brand in the world and sold for just under 100 million so and so why do I bring that up? Because these people are, are accessible. Why was he on? Why did he come to our event? Because I asked him to and I reached out and complimented what I had read about him. Like these, you read a book and you want to get in touch with someone, email them or pick up the phone and call them. They're very humble. They'll talk to you. You can get around those people that, that Jeff just mentioned. Yeah, that's cool. Love it. Okay. Question number seven. What is your personal definition of success? Uh, it's changed, but success to me is, um, making enough money to do the things money cannot buy. 
like creating experiences with the family, travel with family. Unfortunately, those or fortunately those take funding, but it's not about the money. It's about creating amazing experiences that don't go away. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, and number eight, you mentioned about a routine before. Um, obviously, you have daily routines and, and they obviously make a huge positive impact to your day because you do them. Could you share what your routine is and why it benefits you or why you feel it benefits you? Yeah, to me, if I'm going to up-level my game on any, on any level, financially, leadership, speaking, anything, it starts with physical for me. So uh, three days a week, I will work out. It's usually because I, I can't go to the gym now with COVID. It's it's in my home gym, but it's so it's on a YouTube video. I, I presently am following Heather Robertson, but I follow those workouts because they're pretty intense and short. Uh, three days a week. After that, uh, it'll be a shower and a cold shower followed by meditation. Uh, just guided. I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about 10-minute guided meditation. On the other uh, few days that I'm not doing the physical workout, it'll just be a, a yoga stretch followed by the same meditation. And then there's a cool breathing app uh, called XPT. It's free. And I do that before workouts. I do that midday. And that's become routine. It's, it's There's health benefits too, but it also energizes me. And again, it's called XPT. It's pretty cool. And, and for you, um, have you always been open to things like meditation or was it was it after 2008 and you started to do this work on yourself that you started to adopt that practice yeah good question post 08 i was i was in my head too busy can't do that now i gotta do this you know uh, always always running not really uh to use the old saying and cliche not never sit just stop and smell the flowers so yeah it was post 08 uh, just to appreciate what, what what's going on and for you how, what benefits do you feel from doing the meditation practice it's it's a struggle for me. I mean, because I'm always going, 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 going. Um, I need that 10 minutes. And someone said to me, if you don't have 10 minutes, you're a mess. Like you can't take 10 minutes to meditate. So um, it's just a clarity thing. And it's this is going to sound kind of foo-foo and, and out there, but things start to come to me. Uh, ideas, for example, I'll just go bingo and I'll go, where did that come from? So I don't know if that's directly related to it, but I think it is now because those never came. I was too busy. Yeah, I think I think to be honest, a lot of people I know I've spoken to even on this show, that's the one of the things they do say is is because they're quieting their mind, these new ideas and all sorts of things can come to them, and I think that I think that that's the part of the the challenges. You get so many people whose egos get in the way to say I'm not doing that because it sounds ridiculous. But I always say to my clients is you have to drop the ego in 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 order to start moving forward because sometimes it's beliefs that you've sometimes it's your parents beliefs that have jumped on and told you this it's not something you've tried for yourself yeah i couldn't agree more awesome so sir we're coming to the end and and i've I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you can you take a moment and share how people can find out more about you tell us a little bit about your podcast and the floor is yours Sure. I appreciate it. The podcast is smart real estate coach podcast.com. Um, I'm big about free. So, uh, for some free resources, you can, uh, watch my son a lot, just do a, a mini presentation. It's not going to earn you a million dollars. It's going to show you more of what we do. And that's just that smart real estate coach.com forward slash webinar, just a pre-recorded webinar we did. Um, you can, I, because this is international, I'll give you a link, uh, to get a hold of the, uh, real estate on your term, the revised copy just got published in November. It's a bestseller. Uh, they can just go to free srecbook.com and that way it'll save. They don't have to go to Amazon if they don't mind the electronic, they'll get it for free. 
brilliant. Thank you so much for that. It's very generous. Um, and, you know, just finally, Chris, just to wish you the greatest success. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. Um, and uh, all the best of luck and stay safe. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, pleasure. And thanks for having me on. First of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.